Welcome everyone to another episode of Where Is This Going? Before we get into it today, I want to please remind you to check out and subscribe to the YouTube channel that you can find by searching my name, Felix Levine, on YouTube. There you'll find every episode in its full video version, as well as smaller clips and highlights. Also, please, if you haven't already, follow me on Instagram at Felix.Levine and on Twitter at Felix Levine. And check out my website, Felix-Levine.com where you can find all episodes in audio and video formats, as well as photos from every recording. And if you're a fan or a sponsor looking to get in touch with me, you can find all of my contact information handy. And my next guest, she is the co-host of the Guys We Fucked podcast and also now has her solo podcast, The Voices in Our Heads with Christina Hutchinson. She is a top stand-up comedian, and this is the second time around having her on my show. I am super excited to have her back. Please welcome the absolutely hilariously talented Christina Hutchinson. And we're live. We are here for uh, round two yeah. with Christina Hutchinson. Christina, thank you uh, so much. I'm, first of all, I'm happy to see you just on a, per, on a personal level. And I'm also uh, happy, honored, a lot of other things to have you on my show for, for another time. So thank you for being here. Thank you. You're such a lovely young man. Thank I'm you. not 80. I don't know why I'm talking <laughs> to you like I am. So, <laughs> I'm slightly, <laughs> tiny bit younger. Um, there was a last time you were here. Actually, I'm not going to tell you right now. Is there a little tidbit, a little something that the world doesn't know about you? Let's see if you repeat from last time, and then I'll tell you what it is after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I, I, re- I was telling you this earlier. I reveal way too much to everybody, strangers. Um, uh, oh, so here's something. It's not juicy, but I, I like it. I, I, well, no, so many, some people know that. The world doesn't. I just redecorated my – I have a third-story loft in my apartment that I redecorated and made into like a Victorian living room mm-hmm. a la Alice in Wonderland, and I go up there and read poetry and smoke weed. Wow. So that's, that's not, not what I said last time. <laughs> last time you said is you like to uh, eat in bed a lot. You said about 80% <gasps> of your meals are oh, in bed. I and have you, changed. I changed. have changed and grown since the is last time I saw you. the crumbs got in? Yeah, and that's just weed. Just eat at a table. E- yeah. I mean, you said oh, I have a dog now, oh. a puppy, so I can't do that. But also, um, I found a baby rat on my floor, baby, baby rat on my bedroom floor the other night. I don't know how it truly seems like it dropped out of the sky. My bedroom is very clean, um, but I no longer eat in bed. Oh, that's great. My <laughs> depression went away. <laughs> well, we, so we can get you're doing your podcast is going to be my mood <laughs> tracker every year. That That's perfect. <laughs> um, speaking of that, actually, right off the bat, I was listening to I think it was correct me if I'm wrong. I will. The last episode of Guys We Fucked, you said you are the happiest and healthiest you've been in a while. First of all, yeah. very happy to hear that. Thanks. Me too. And second of all, I think that's super interesting because in prime pandemic season, when I think depression is probably at an all-time high, um, I'm more curious to hear about how you feel like you're at that point, you know, because a lot mm. aren't. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think ugh, there's so much going on. and I And I really believe that in order to be a good active citizen in the world, not everybody has to be an active citizen in the world, but I like encouraging it if you have it in you. I think everybody does have it in them. But you have to be good with yourself first before you can 
be good to others or or be part of a movement or make change or um or just be a positive influence and so with me i think i've been dealing with a lot of therapy a lot of talking to myself i did right before COVID hit i i never done a full dose of mushrooms before and um maybe like <laughs> five days before the quarantine i spoke to the devil on mushrooms it was terrible it was the it was traumatic is a good word for it i was bawling my eyes out the whole time for about eight hours when i closed my eyes it was terrible and when i opened my eyes it was terrible so that gave me a little anxiety <laughs> everything was a cartoon it was and i've done mushrooms in tinier doses not micro i've microdose i guess but that doesn't I don't really feel it but that was a weird experience and at that point i thought i was doing really well mental health wise and, and health wise and um and then that happened and I was like, I guess I'm not doing well. <laughs> but whatever it was, I cried and cried and was so suicidal after, like just like really wanted to yeah. die for like the last hour of that come down, which I didn't even know was a part of mushrooms. This is all to say that I feel fucking great after that. <laughs> you did them alone? <laughs> no, with a guy I met in the ER. Um, he was a nurse. Uh, it, I, I met him in the ER because I took a friend there and he was just, I just... He was a, he's a nurse and he's um, just an amazing, like, I just really liked all of him. He was really cool. And he, my friend and I who went to the ER, uh, just were like, who is this guy? This guy rules. And so that I did it with him. <laughs> so how was the conversation? Like, hey, let's go do mushrooms well, together. He, he was, I, I'm probably getting some of these facts wrong. I don't want to say his name because I don't want to <laughs> out him. Not that I'm outing him, but um, he's a great person. But he, he was telling us about how he's this queer Muslim, former child soldier, uh, just bad, like just, I, and his philosophies on the world. Like he has seen some shit and those kind of people like i'm so curious about their experiences so i was just fascinated by him and he's he came to um a, my, a comedy show i co-host with justin silver a couple times and i'm like you rule and then he was telling me about mushrooms and i was like i want to do them with you one day because he grew them and i'm glad i did it even though i'll never i'll never touch that shit again ever again mm -mm. i'm done that's a wrap on mushrooms for christina all right so if you if you come on in a couple years and we look back on maybe, it. Maybe, maybe I'll eat my own words, but I'm, I'm curious. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was too enthusiastic about drugs for a minute. Um, had an ecstasy phase for like a month and, uh, well, two months. Um, and now after that particular mushroom trip, I'm like, I'm good. But I feel it has to. I don't know if that that I don't, I don't um, hail that as the reason I'm doing well. But it really something clicked in me that terrible trip what were the thoughts like i felt going on in your head at that during I, the trip i just felt heartbroken huh but i wasn't dating anybody i wasn't i didn't even have a crush on anybody like i was at a, i was at a pretty pretty good place i think what really changed my life around is getting a dog truly yeah. but i've been doing a lot of work on myself in therapy and when you go and dig into childhood drama which there's such a very broad spectrum of what that is or what it can include you and doing those deep dives, it kind of gets you into crevices that are scary to go that you didn't know exist. And I feel like that'll just pop up along the way. And I don't know, maybe it was a lot of therapy and introspection, introspection mixed with the mushrooms that just created this perfect, That's the perfect storm po potion, I guess. Yeah. But I was heartbroken and sobbing. That's what I remember. And when I opened my eyes, everything was a cartoon. Nothing. It was like a comic book. It was so weird. And 
I don't know. I feel like you almost had a good experience, so it doesn't make you want to do it again, or you feel like it won't happen. During those eight hours, I eight hours was t- well, maybe six. I don't. It seemed like it lasted. You're at you're at home, or you were? Well, we were outside, and then my friend was like, "We got to get you home." <laughs> And I'm like, okay. Um, and then I went home and then we called my mutual friend that we, I went to the ER with and who I met him in the first place. And he came over and I was just crying and drooling. And then my friends came, my friend Corinne came over, my friend Wendy. And I was just like, I don't know what's happening. And uh, yeah, it was so bizarre. But um, it, I don't know. Maybe it made something click. And then how did... Uh getting little baby Kevin. For people who don't know, Kevin is Christina's new dog. He's a mini dog. Did you get him right when quarantine hit because of quarantine? Uh, I've been thinking of getting a dog for about two years now, and it's a big decision. So I was like, I want to make sure I want one for two whole years. And I also wanted to live alone. I was living alone for the first time ever in my own apartment, and I wanted to just enjoy that. So without any responsibility. And then by the time I got Kevin, I was like, I'm I'm kind of craving a responsibility and unconditional love from a creature who... Wants to hang out with me all the time. <laughs> and so, yeah, I got him. Uh, uh, my therapist uh, wrote me a letter for an um, emotional support dog because I needed that to get a dog in my building. Mm. And she was like, don't worry, you need one. It's fine. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, she wrote me the letter. And then a woman in her building, an older woman who's always had dachshunds, um, got this puppy and then her grandson met him and was broke out in hives or something, had an allergic reaction. So she had to find a new home. And my therapist was like, I know someone. And it, he's the per, he's my soulmate dog. I'm wow. obsessed with him. I look at him and cry because he makes me so happy all the time. That's beautiful. And um, <laughs> I was going to ask you about therapy because yeah. you brought that up. And I think that's uh, very interesting, especially during the pandemic era, doing therapy uh, virtually. I don't mm-hmm. know if you, for me, I, for, with my therapist, she, well, she's in Boston when I go to school in Boston, but um, we started just doing Zoom or Zoom calls or whatever it was. Yeah. And that's a very different dynamic. And I was more curious coming from uh, someone who you said therapy has helped you a lot if mm-hmm. you've noticed a difference between being in person and on Honestly, I have it. It's more convenient for my schedule that I don't have to leave. Um, And because I had been working with her for like six months at the time, I knew her, I got the gist. And mm-hmm. She knows me so well at the point that we started Skype therapy that it, it I don't feel a difference. Hmm. Yeah. And for your and for recording the shows, was it? Have you always done it? I mean, usually you have the people in person, no? For guys, we for fucked. guys we fucked. Yeah. So people come over, and so when the quarantine hit, we did digital, and we're like, oh wait, if we're doing Zoom, we can ask people in LA, we can ask right. people anywhere. We've interviewed um, a woman in London. Um, and it's kind of cool. It really opened up our roster. I'm like, we could have been doing this the whole time. I just didn't realize it. Um, but we've had had some people come over to the house, and I sanitize the mics and stuff. That's only in the past two weeks. Who does the Who does all the production for you guys? I was going to ask you. Um, our editor is um, Mike Coscarelli. Okay. He works at a podcast called Betch- Betches as well. B-E-T-C-H-E-S. I'm not just saying it like that because I'm a cunt. <laughs> and how long were you uh, away from Corinne in person during... During this whole well, we spent quarantine together. We basically oh, were quarantine together. wives. We didn't quarantine together. We each have our own house, but our homes, house. That's hilarious. Um, but we went away a lot. We mm. we we rented an Airbnb twice, just the two of us, because we'd only really been hanging out with each other. Um, and to get writing done and to just be in a separate location, because there was a point where it was so bleak in the city. I live in Manhattan, and during peak New York City cases. There, they parked this giant tractor trailer refrigerator yeah, truck for the bodies oh outside God. of my apartment. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> Probably move that. 
but I live by the hospital, so I'm like, sweet. It was such a, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, we're doing so well now. Yeah. It's like so, uh, I don't even know. I could almost like cry, really. You know, when you think about the pain, I think two or three months ago, we were all just like, you would drive around, you see all those refrigerator trucks, you knew it was just dead bodies. It felt like a death trap. It felt like the world was really ending. Yes. To see New York City, the like precious New York City uh, that was doing so well be be that be like a death zone is oh my god and be to be quiet i walked in times square because i live not that far from there uh at night one of the nights and i there was no one there there were two kids there in graduation gowns getting their graduation photos i'm like yeah boo boo you do that right now you're never gonna have a chance and they spent millions of dollars to have that vanilla sky scene yeah I'm like shit, I gotta shoot a sketch here or and something. I know. And then and then it was and then with all the looting, I mean going down Broadway with the the burned down cop cars and the board I mean, everything just felt surreal. I mean it was Yeah, it was weird. It was I, it was yeah, and I I've I've marched a bunch of times and I wanted to march because I wanted to I noticed something very interesting the first time I marched, which was all of the graffiti was being done by white people and I'm like, hmm. that's peculiar. Yeah. This ain't, you know, you're you're part of this movement. Don't fuck, don't destroy. You have no right to destroy property. Yeah. No one took anything from you. Yeah. So um, that made me, uh, the the next few times I marched, I was very diligent about yelling at the white people that yeah. were doing that. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're hindering more than they're helping. Was there one certain, like, one particular thing that you learned about yourself during, during quarantine? Hmm. Um, good question. Why wow, you're good at this? Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I would say, yeah, I'm more resilient than I thought. Mm. And and I have more control over my moods and my spirit. Spirit meaning like um like if I'm in good spirits, um more so than I thought. And when I feel my I I just pay more attention to my body and I notice my feelings quicker. So that when I do feel like I'm getting stressed or I'm reading the news too much or I'm consuming too okay. much negative stories on certain things because it's i got i really want to stay informed but it's a balance so the second that starts to happen i go up in my little alice in wonderland attic and i just read some books <laughs> and just I, I i i'm able to regulate myself and do you have i mean is there like a process that you go through because i think for a lot of people um you know i think regulating themselves is, i mean it's hard i think everyone's yeah, it hard um is there a certain Thing that you do that you notice you're like oh let me stop doing that or yeah this thought or i feel a lot of tightness in my neck and shoulders mm. and when they I'll, I'll get a sharp pain like a sharp muscle pain and that's when i know that I'm, my stress is affecting my body and i gotta i gotta roll i've been rollerblading almost every day this summer wow. it's fu- i that's one of the reasons rollerblading kevin therapy and realizing i'm not an extrovert i thought i was um, How did you come to that realization? I love being alone. It's awesome. <laughs> it fucking rules. Because you get to interrogate your own feelings and thoughts. Mm. And I, I named my dog Kevin. I love human names for a dog. I think it's so funny. But I think one of them, because I named him that, I talked to him a lot. I don't mm. know that I'd talk to him out loud a lot if his name was Spark- Sparky, you know? Huh. Um, and Kevin's quick. It's like, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Mm. Um. And so I just talk out my thoughts with him and he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he looks at me and it's, I pretend he's listening. It feels like he is. Do you feel like <laughs> if he wasn't there, would you, would you consider it talking to yourself or do you still? Oh, like, I still talk to myself. I would have talked to myself so anyway. you talk to Kevin and you just, talk to yourself. 
Yeah, but I but now that Kevin's there, when I'm in my house, I talk to Kevin. Hmm. It's just nice having someone to bounce it off. Your thoughts. <laughs> <He laughs> and get no respond. feedback, you he know? He doesn't respond. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, is that is that little attic uh, the one that we see in Dwell? Yes, it is. I've redesigned it since then, but yes. So for people who don't know what I'm talking about, Dwell is Christina's short film mm -hmm. that came out. When did it come out? Came it out came out um, in March or April. Oh, crap. I forget. I feel like it eight years during the by. pandemic. It was certainly. Yes, it was. And it was uh, at the beginning of it. I don't know. I may April. Either way, it's on my website. <laughs> but I'm so proud of that. Uh, movie because I wasn't getting movie auditions. I've always wanted to be in the movies. That was the uh, that in SNL has been like the dream since the I was a kid. You told me last time that when it's all said and done, Tony, Emmy, Oscar. Hell yeah! Wow, yeah, I'm still mean it. Yeah, but Dwell is uh, I saw it I think right when it came out. Um, and it's it's about what twenty twenty five minutes. Yep, and it's uh, it's so. I'm not going to spoil it for the people who haven't. They can they can check it out on ChristinaHutchinson.com. Yes, they can. <laughs> um, it's fantastic. It's Thank super you. well done. Um, I was because when you were on my show, you had talked about it, so I was looking forward to seeing it in its in its final version. Had I shot it when I saw you? I think, I shot it in August. I know we were in July, so I think you were planning. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, I think you were planning it, and you were talking a little bit about it, and then it came. Well, it kind of came quick, really. I mean, yeah, eight, yeah, nine it, months for something like that is pretty quick. Honestly, yeah, it's uh, and there was a lot of slowdown with um, just getting all the elements together. It was really cool to make a movie and get to see all of the things that it. I love collaboration. That's why I love theater yeah. and movies are. Oh my gosh, it's such a collaborative effort. So I know because I I listened to so much of of your stuff um, that at least a big chunk of it is all real is based on a true story. For sure, yeah. It's um, uh, some of it's heightened, uh, but actually, yeah, no, it's all real. All of it. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's heightened for dramatic effect. But it's funny because when I wrote it, I we originally were planning on doing a totally separate movie about um, this lake life weekend I had with my friends, but that had gotten canceled. So I had to write something else. I'm like, oh, I want to write about the pain of a breakup and how I handle that, and um, because I was still feeling it when I wrote it, because I I believe I wrote it the fall before we shot it um, or like a well, yeah maybe the summer before the summer of um, and so I was still reeling in it so I was able to access it pretty easily and I just wanted to I think one thing that um, I'm good at or I've become good at is being vulnerable and being like showing my feelings and talking about things honestly so I just wanted to yeah make a piece about how I handled a breakup and then you had I mean it was, what was also really cool is you had basically if I'm not mistaken all of your very close friends mm -hmm. kind of as characters yeah in it yeah and they kind of played the versions of themselves what was what was that like i mean so you wrote most of it i wrote the whole thing you wrote yeah. the whole thing yeah but like the, but the scene with wendy for example wendy's one of my best right. friends wendy starling she's an amazing comedian and i love her so much and she's one of those people that just when i'm feeling absolutely crazy i call her she comes over and we like both make each other feel sane i love her so much so there is certain elements of that scene where the director ali uh gianni is um she's amazing and she kind of helped me shape the story more because she was saying the scenes with your friends need to have a turning point a pivot where it starts off one way and then it gets interrupted and so i was trying to so wendy worked with me um we were having conversations about 
being a sugar baby and the emotional implications of that that people never talk about? And does it take an emotional toll on you? Does it make you lonely? All these questions that I... I never asked her, but I've always thought in the back of my mind, and I was curious, and she's so good at being vulnerable, that we had the conversation, I recorded it, and then I put it in the script. What did you guys conclude was were the implications or the, well, the effects it's, of it? Well, it affects everybody differently, and you really have to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. and it's and it's okay to be... Um, it, it, it makes sense that it would affect somebody emotionally and make, you know, when you are intimate with somebody... It's not just sex. It's it's all the other intimacy that makes this really deep bond. So, and that's the other thing I wanted to talk about different types of sexual relationships, romantic, sugar daddy, sugar baby, all all different kinds. Well, those two kinds actually. Just those two. <laughs> but um yeah, I think that people are I don't know if they're hesitant or they maybe they just don't talk about the emotional aspect of it, but that's always been interesting to me based off the conversations I've had with Wendy. And what was some of the maybe some of your favorite feedback that came in from the uh, from Dwell? Um, oh, everyone was so sweet about it. Uh, I would say the people who had just gone through a breakup, mm. yeah, and watched it, and they were like, "Oh, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that." It's like when you like I watched. I broke up with a high school boyfriend, and then I watched The Notebook, and I was just like <laughs> in bed for a week. <laughs> um, it didn't have that effect, but that it was cool to hear people say it helped them process pain. I think it was also um, what I really liked about it were were especially some of the opening scenes because I think people that follow you for a while know that it's basically based on on your experience. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's also so like professionally done, but then Mm -hmm. at the same time you have like those like funny moments where you're like, ow, like, or you're like, it's like, it's you, like, it's really like your kind of natural reactions to things, which I think, um, makes it personal, but also kind of broad for the, for the general audience. But I think some of the other, uh, kind of takeaways for me were, um, some of the things that like Corinne was saying, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if, if, so did you write all of what she said as well? Because some of that I felt did. almost like she, well, maybe because you know her so well. But I hang, I mean, she's the person I see the most. Yeah. So I know we finish each other's sentences. Yeah. So, and we have a twin language. So I can write for Corinne all damn day. Wow. Yeah. I think, I think, I don't even know what the quote was, but it was nobody something. Cares. That, nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> and like, we're all going to die. Gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> like, Life is just a series of bitter disappointments. Eventually you'll get old and your body will fail you and you'll die. And she starts laughing. Yeah. You know, like that's, uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, for people who haven't, haven't watched it, definitely go check it out. And um, I don't know, are you another short film on the way? Is that something you would do? Oh, hell yeah. I, the, the second we wrapped, I'm like, I want to make another one. Um, are there potential ideas of different? Uh, I have an idea. I maybe want to ex- explore childhood trauma. I'm, mm. so, I'm so into that topic because it's really interesting how a lot of people's issues can get not fixed easily, but really healed if they if you introduce them to that concept and they can connect the dots and say, oh, what I went through wasn't great when did you feel like um you came to that realization that you know a lot of little dots are connected perhaps to childhood trauma i would say about two years after my breakup with that ex of seven years i was just reeling in it and there was a lot of behaviors i had in that relationship that i i was like why do i do that like full i mean i was i think i was a good partner but um i would have moments you know when you when you live with someone for six years you see every little part of them and and Stephen and I just oh my god we both we worked from home for the last year of our relationship and we talked all the time, so we were always just communicating with each other nonstop. Yeah. But I would throw like temper tantrums and like 
not even panic attacks, but I would call them anger attacks almost, mm. where I would be upstairs and he'd be downstairs and I would just just go mm, or something. I don't know what I would do. I forget. But um, and then he would know. I wanted him to notice. But then if he got like annoyed by it, I would get even madder. But then if he asked me if I was okay, I would also get mad. I'm like, what is? the fuck is that there, and then it made me realize there's so many behaviors that i have that i just want to know why i do that because the, once i know why i can kind of help fix it because i don't want to do that i want to you know i think the point of life for me anyways is striving to be better version of yourself not all the time because you got to relax too but yeah those those behaviors i was very curious about and i think I just really went so long carrying so much on my shoulders. And then I think the first therapist that told me that I had experienced trauma, I was like, wait, huh? Yeah. Like I truly did it. I was so confused by that. And then once I connected the dots and I was like, yeah, that, that was what that was. I just, it was a wormhole of books. I think also what, uh, I guess what I admire about you as well is you're so um, openly introspective, I guess yeah. is the way I would say it. But I don't know. If that's something, have you? I mean, have you always been that way? I um, no, no. I think I think that those connecting those dots of the trauma really just that made me that way because mm. it really helped and it made me feel better and it made me understand these behaviors and it made me have more compassion for myself mm. because I was able to approach them like my therapist that I work with now is like your brain when you're a kid and you're in a traumatic situation, a, a child's nervous system won't allow them to handle emotions, certain certain adult emotions. So, and especially if you're talking about something, you know, on the more extreme end, like sexual abuse as a child, like that, it's something we hear about on guys we fucked all the time and it happens so often. And so I'm, I'm interested in it for myself, but also for other people and how frequent it is. So something like sexual abuse as a, from a child, you're, you're, your brain as a child, your neural pathways will carve themselves in a way so that you can black that out. Mm. And then when you get older, and that's one of the reasons why when someone brings up that was traumatic, you're like, huh, nuh-uh, because your nervous system was helping you because you a child can't comprehend the fact that its par their parent is doing the most atrocious things to them. That's the more extreme example. But, I mean, so in order for a child to handle that and survive, um, their brain's figure it out for them and create these mechanisms and do you i mean are there people that email you when you when you bring up like a certain subject on guys we fuck like whether it's childhood trauma or just um you know different varieties of sexual assault yeah do you get right after just immediate feedback on those you know those topics or are there people that that tell you a lot of stories i mean how do you and corinne kind of filter through it decide who you're going to answer to. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys get an influx of... <laughs> we do. And um, I don't... I, I Kurt and I handle it different ways because I can, I can really handle... It doesn't affect me to hear somebody's story no matter how bad it is. There was one email that we got that I was like, okay. But then we summarized it on the podcast and the listener heard it and wrote us and was like, I'm fine, just so you know. I'm like, damn, people are more resilient than I thought. <laughs> Which is great. But um, yeah, I check I, the emails I browse every so often, but um, I don't, I don't know. We, we, are, we, we have a producer, her name's Emily, who goes through the emails um, and kind of pulls topics and she kind of makes sure that we cover a variety of topics and we don't do two in a row of something similar. So, I mean, 
yeah, I read and I get a lot of DMs about people's stories and I'll respond when I have time, but my my head's all over the place often and sometimes I just need to stare at a wall. You know what I, think I mean? We all do. Yeah. Um, you've been doing guys we fuck for I think seven years mm-hmm. now. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Do you uh I mean, how do you not keep it repetitive? You know? You think you'll run out of stories? Or topics, we never will. We never will. As long as we get emails, which we'll get, we still get hundreds of emails every week from people. So, and and we we do this segment on our Instagram. The handle's sorry about last night. Um, it's called Did That Help? And our our associate producer will um you know make a Google Doc of all these questions that people write in for this particular segment because we kind of approach it in a comedic way because we are stand up comedians. I feel like a lot of people forget that sometimes (laughs) um and so we'll get problems and i'm still like what the fucking shit like for various reasons that reaction of like that's your bar is so low like people's bars are so they're below the ground and they'll tolerate behavior that i'm when you're in a situation it's really hard to to see it from an outsider's point of view so we give them that outsider's point of view but man some of these motherfuckers woo yeah and yeah, it's and so, but something like childhood trauma, you don't even realize you're repeating a relationship you had with a parent, yeah. and you're like, no, I'm not. Why? Who? Who would do that? Logic is not involved in those behaviors. Mm. So, and have you noticed a bit? How long have you been with Luminary? Uh, a year. Oh wow! I think okay, yeah, I think that was maybe right. a year and a half, maybe. Do you uh do you notice a big difference between being behind a paywall? And yes. Not? Oh my gosh! One of the reasons why that decision took us a year to make because that was very. Um, that was a big move, uh, but but really at the end of the day, why we made that decision was the podcast wasn't fun for us to do anymore because any if when the episodes come out on iTunes, anybody I know, my friends, my family would like listen, and I would get texts of like you didn't tell me this, and I'm like ah, I, I'm not trying to like Kurt and I get you know a hard time from our friends, and I understand why, um, or like family members that'll say like why'd you say that? I'm like oh fuck, and I definitely want to be respectful, so I'm not. I we didn't go behind a paywall so we could talk shit. That's <laughs> certainly not the case, but um, it just felt like being we give the most intimate details about our lives. Right with our bodies and our minds. And we've been doing that for seven years. And when we started, we're like, no one's gonna listen to this shit. And then so many people listen. We're like, this is amazing. And then and then the waves of new listeners kept coming and coming. And I was like, holy shit, we would get recognized on the street. And like Joe Rogan would talk about it. And I was like, holy shit, wait, this is, we're onto something. I didn't <laughs> fucking know. And um, and then and then it, you realize one of the self, one of the many self-help books I was reading, listening to on Audible was like, you know, you should, People have to earn private information about you. Mm. And I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. So so we we wanted to go behind this paywall. And now it's, I think the plans start, you can do as little as $2.99 a month. And that, I feel very comfortable with that, um, that price point. But it just seemed like people were picking apart what we were saying and just throwing it. And I, I wanted people to listen because they really wanted to listen. Right. And I because Corinne and I have toured for two years and we've done meet and greets with all the people that come to our show, it has been such an amazing experience to meet the people that listen to you because they're wonderful human beings. Everybody that we've ever met at a meet and greet, truly, is just, I'm what, a, what an honor it is to have, right. you can't pick your fans. You know, Justin Bieber can't pick his fans and he's not like, my, I'm so honored, you know, but but ours happen to be really well-rounded people who are, who are, just good and so um but then when you're on itunes and it's public for everyone it's just you get all the 
other people. And so we really wanted people a way to earn, I guess, uh, one of the our, our most intimate inner workings was if you're paying two ninety nine a month, because that's, you know, a bunch of steps you have to do to create an account, all that stuff, and it's money, then you really want to be here. And the listeners have noticed. It makes me so happy because I'm like, I felt it, but it's good to get that um, said by the listeners that we feel they can tell we're more relaxed and we enjoy it more. And we're, mm. it's like almost back to the original days of doing the podcast where Corinne and I will divulge and feel safer doing it. So you feel, okay, interesting. And do you feel like, I mean, what I, I could imagine as well is because you guys are so open and intimate with your listeners, yeah, it probably creates, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, another kind of, uh, attachment from them kind of a loyalty that yeah. they would probably you know if they've been listening to two three four episodes and now they're starting to get to know you as like real people not just like um you know i don't know but and it, they're only getting an hour a week from us so it's also like you're only hearing us talk about sex and dating for that hour we uh, all the other times we don't talk about that right. <laughs> so so they're getting one a part of us a big part of us though but do you feel like there's a um, do you feel like your fan base would you would you describe them as as incredibly loyal? Oh yeah, it, yeah. And do you think it also has to do because of the fact that you're talking about such intimate subjects that yeah that would create this kind of almost bond they feel between you and them? Yeah, we always um, whenever people walk, come up to us like on the street, for example, uh, they're always like, "Oh, this is so weird. I feel like I know you." I'm like, "Well, you do. You know a big part of me." So. It's not weird. That's it's a one way. I think I said this last time. I'm getting deja vu. It's a one way intimate relationship. Right. So they know a lot. And the other thing is too. I remember this. Is, I just came to mind. Like if I was, I'm single now. I was with somebody for seven years. So that's most of the podcast. And see you. And so that. now that I, and so when I like, I would start to see somebody and. They would just listen, turn the podcast on to see what I'm saying about them. I would not, it's not, I'm not saying things negative about them. And I'm not, I'm certainly not saying their name. Like I'm not trying to exploit their identity or anything. But if I'm going through a frustrating time with a person, I want to talk about it with the knowledge that they're not in the room. So there's a side of it that I'm not picking up on. Not, not, not to get too deep. Um, because again, the point of the podcast was to have the conversations with these men that we slept with. So, but if, if I notice things about dating that I've just, cause I've been out of the dating pool for so long, I'll mention it. And then the guy will text me and be like, Oh, you said this. And when we went by the behind the paywall, that has not happened. since. Oh, yeah. I'm like, Oh, you motherfuckers don't want to hear what I'm saying about you. Like I'll say it to your face, but, um, but also sometimes it's hard for me to communicate anything negative to somebody or a frustration. I, I that's something I'm working on. So, um, yeah, then that doesn't happen anymore, and that's nice. And you mentioned because the first, I mean, I don't know how much you're, you want to get into it or not, but for the first part of uh, Guys We Fucked, mm -hmm. you were in the in the long-term yeah. serious relationship. Yeah. F one, did he listen? And oh, two, yeah. did you kind of progress? He edited it. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, we got kicked off of our original podcast network, and uh, and then he edited it because he works in production. So there was a, then there was Did a time he take where out points that you didn't want the whole world knowing about you guys. Not for our podcast, no. Um, but uh, no, I mean there was a, there was a um, trial and error with. Oops, I should have asked you if I could say all this <laughs> shit about your butthole. Um, <laughs> fair of you to be upset. I'm no, so yeah, sorry. You got to give him credit on that. Uh, you know, he saw. You know, originally he didn't think it was a good idea, and then for for various reasons, and then he saw it blossom, and then he wanted to be a part of it, and so he edited it. Yeah, so. And there have been times where I would talk about a sexual thing that I was like, oh, I kind of am interested to do this. And I wouldn't tell him 
but like not on purpose. I just for some reason was more comfortable talking about it to Corinne and in front of a bunch of strangers. And then have you or Corinne had um, experiences where perhaps you were talking um, about a past person you either were with or um, were currently seeing and they text you immediately right after like, can you take this down? Can you... Um, they never felt like it crossed a line. No, because I, I really don't want to hurt anybody's right. feelings with that. And that's, that's private. And I don't, I don't date to have an experience to talk about on the podcast at all. And if anything, I think I'm learning to be a little more, you know, even with my friends, like I kind of just keep things to myself a little bit, which for me is a huge, you know, huge change, <laughs> uh, just to see how I feel about it first. Because what I noticed I was doing was I was talking things out to Corinne on the podcast before I really had a chance to decipher how I felt about it. I'm like, oh, I need to give it a second before I blab. We're going to take a quick break. Let's run two quick ads. Uh, my first is for U.S. Wellness Meats. All of U.S. Wellness Meats' beef, lamb, bison, and dairy products are 100% grass-fed and grass finished. They also offer pasture-raised heritage pork, free-range poultry, and wild-caught seafood. They specialize in a variety of special diets and have hundreds of paleo, keto, Whole30, sugar-free, and AIP-friendly options. U.S. Wellness Meats is over 400 all-natural foods in their online store at uswellnessmeats.com. Use promo code PODCAST for 15% off store-wide savings at U.S. Wellness Meats. That's PODCAST for 15% off store-wide savings at U.S. Wellness Meats. And lastly... This show is brought to you by NanoCraft CBD. You've probably heard of the benefits of CBD. Millions of people are using it to manage their anxiety, recover faster, improve their mental focus, and even get deeper sleep. It's pretty remarkable how diverse the benefits can be for some folks. And my partners at NanoCraft CBD are one of the top brands in the industry, and they're actually the number one CBD for athletes. They focus on making unique hemp-based formulas that combine CBD with other nutrients and superfoods like B12, ashwagandha, turmeric, nitric oxide, caffeine, and a whole lot more to give athletes and everyday folks an edge in their work and life. They've been generous enough to give our listeners 20% off with the code FELIX, and they'll throw in a free CBD lip balm if you use that code. Check them out at nanocraftcbd.com, FELIX, for 20% off, and they sent you a little goodie bag, as Yay. I told you, with uh, CBD pet treats for little Kevin when Aww, he gets home good. for being a good good boy and uh, letting you come to the, to the podcast today. <laughs> Thanks. Um, let's get back into it. I was going to ask you, uh, lastly, about Guys We Fucked. What do you see? I mean, you know, a couple months ago, we see Rogan get a big deal. Yeah. Um, good for Rogan. Hell yeah. I mean, I think Hundreds he deserves of he, millions <laughs> of dollars. I'm like, damn, Joe. Plus, Yo, plus you go on Rogan, you will increase your audience size. Talk to me about the Rogan effect, because we talked oh, about it a God. little bit last time. I I'm a, I mean, he's one of really my one of my big inspirations on why I started my show. Um, and... You you got the Joe Rogan experience. Yo, I did. It was and it was just as he got his new studio. Um, yeah, that was that was wild. I mean, I've seen. I, I don't. I didn't know him before then, but I he mentioned guys we fucked on the podcast, and this you know he can mention it for just say guys we fucked and then talk about something totally different. A hundred people tweet at us because his listenership is so vast. And so, and, and I, of course, listened. People gave me the time stance because I knew I wasn't going to do the whole episode. And the three like, hours is a bit tough. Just give me the part where he talks about me. Um, <laughs> and he was just talking about, you know, of the people in the top comedy podcast, it's rare to have somebody, you know, explode that's not, an unknown. 
you know, to the world before, uh, you know, to, to get big off of a podcast solely is not the usual trajectory. Right. And he gave us a bunch of props and I was like, damn, dude, thanks. I really appreciate that. And so we went on and it was great. And I, I forgot that he, I knew he did video, but I didn't realize it was live. Oh. And so I would, when I got to the car afterwards, I had like, uh, I not exaggerating, like 50 different people wow. texting me like, holy shit. I'm like, wow. And I emailed him right after. I'm like, damn, Joe. You got we that Rogan effect is crazy. I just got like thousands of new followers. <laughs> it's better than going on any talk show. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, and it's so funny because um, we got on like ourselves. I was like, I'm so excited, you know, because he had mentioned us, so I figured we had some in. And right. his friend Ryan uh, Brian Redband, who um, helped him create that show. Um, we asked him and he was like, I'll, I'll ask him, but Joe usually doesn't get back to me. And then two seconds later, he goes, oh, my God, he's never responded to me this fast. Yeah, he wants to have you on. I'm like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Joe's great. And I love I really love interviewing people. And I and when you do it for so long, you get you understand, like, how you can make an interview better. And he he really um, highlights the the one trait that I think is so important. And that's curiosity. Mm -hmm. And that's actually I mean. It's funny you say that because um, it's been fun since I started to, to be invited on a couple podcasts here and there. You yeah. Know, and that's always an honor. Yeah. Um, and people have always asked me kind of how do you uh, go about picking your content or picking who you have on. And I always tell them what you told me, um, which is I think I don't remember the question I asked you, but you basically said um, follow your curiosity. Yes. Um, because, I, oh, I think now I remember. Just hit me. I said um, or you said. Don't try to go out and make the biggest or best podcast. Just follow your curiosity and the rest will come. Yep. Something in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, and that hit home for me for for a long time because, Yay. you know, when you're wondering, you know, who am I going to have on next? What am I going to talk about? The reality is, um, you know, just just talk about something that you that you're interested in. And I think when you're interested, then the content comes. Yes. And I think when you are curious then people can feel that you are authentic. Yes. So I think, you know, Rogan is a master at that. And I think, um, you know, I think when when we see your comedy, I've now come to a, I, well, one show actually that you got me into. Oh, which one? Uh, David Tell. Oh, at Caroline's. You got oh, me Oh, was that the one I bought? Was I good at that one or did you I bomb? No, There's one show I bombed and I was like, shit. And you were good. A bunch and, of my friends came to And Dave tried to, to bring you back on stage after and you had already left the scene. Oh, because I had another spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so oh, that was a good show. I so remember thank that one. you for for the tickets. Hell for yeah, Dave's I went, a I went with my master. Dave is. <laughs> I I ran into him the other day at um outside the comedy cellar. I was because they're obviously not open, but the cafe outside the Olive Tree Cafe is my favorite New York hang in the world. Um, and I was with Ryan Reese, and David Tell comes by with a bag of Taco Bell and sits at a table, and he's like, "You guys want to go get ice cream after this?" I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, I do." He's uh, I had never I'd heard of David Tell. And I had seen him once at the cellar, and I didn't, I didn't even put two and two together that that was David Tell. And I was like, "Holy fuck, yeah. this guy is unreal." Yeah, so good. He, he just bounces off. I think it was Will Sylvan's hosting. Um, that Caroline's? No, at a oh. the comedy cellar. The first oh, time okay. I saw David yeah. Tell, and love Will. Will, Will, I know Will he came is... on this show as well. He's a oh, he's a I legend. I love Will. He's a. It must be hard. Also, I was just to. To, to not see some of these guys. At I the, know. You know. I Well, last night was my first show since March, and we, Mateo Lane, and, uh, Mark Norman, Ryan Reese, we all went into a, into a limo bus. We took a limo bus up, and it was just so nice to hang. We were all like, oh, this was really wonderful to have a hang. What do you feel like is, I mean, are there, I mean, granted you're, you know, at the top of the, the comedy scene, but I'm, I imagine for, you know, people who are just getting into it or not as well established perhaps, 
this is a little bit frightening, you know, yeah. because you're going at 40, 50 percent capacity. I imagine that there are way less gigs available oh, um, yeah. for you. How do you see the next? The future <laughs> of, fuck you know, stand up comedy and. Uh, yeah. Well, and there's a lot changing with COVID and there's a lot changing with um, with canceling people. And yeah. and that, talk about that. It, and it's I have so many different feelings towards it it's it's uh, it's interesting that comedians are being held to standards of a of a politician in some aspects hmm. and then you look and you ask the same person that tweets at them a comedian being mad at what they said and you're like do you know who your congressman is yeah. <laughs> who's the head of your school board school district like this head of the school board do you know how to tag like and then i don't say that to be like you're a dumb bitch but uh because i feel feel like people weaponize knowledge and i certainly am guilty of that just to feel like i got you so i'm not gonna get on my high horse about that because i do it so <laughs> i'm trying not to but i think it's now about what it, it's been really interesting to uh see the ways in which stand-up comedians have taken their creativity with stand-up and transformed it into another sketches uh a podcast uh just something out like little vignettes you know you can really people's heads get so filled with crap every day and mine's certainly one of them and i think creativity is dignity to me and mm. i think that figuring out different ways to get your stand-up out there like i saw melissa villasenor she's a stand-up she's on snl i fall i love her so much she um she was doing all these outdoor shows like in people's backyards with her little amp yeah. and i was like fuck yeah melissa <laughs> so cool and then people doing zoom shows and how but are, is it stand-up i did a zoom show with new york comedy club that was so fun it was not straight stand-up but it felt it felt like we, the gang was back kind of in, in a way. And so it's interesting to see the different ways that comedians figure out how they can still express themselves uh, in different, you know, different avenues that don't involve a mic and an audience. And I mean, speaking just quickly on cancel culture, mm -hmm. um, I think it's so interesting, especially in the past three or four months, you know, obviously the biggest name, I guess, is Crystalia that comes to mind. But that's a little bit different, I guess, just because yeah, of... Yeah, I'm not as well read up on that one. I know some things, but I don't know if I know the whole... And, I mean, no one knows everything, but... I, yeah. Yeah. I, I think th what I wanted to mostly get into is, you know, that, that has to do with the whole other thing. I think cancel culture with, you know, past tweets yeah. or past um, content that you're talking about, I can imagine that now in this very, um, I don't even know what the word is, but uh, strict or um, a lot of lines. And I feel like people feel like you're crossing a line quicker than you might actually be crossing it. And perhaps as a comedian, and the, that's they don't, even it, harder. Yeah, because context, should context matter? Should it not? I feel like it should a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> so many so many people have podcasts right. and, we, and people who have prominent podcasts are always doing I, I love doing other people's podcasts but you're basically taking what i say or what everybody says and putting it out there and i think the thing is because i'm really trying to approach this subject in from a non-angry stance because my anger is not going to help um is that i wish like for the crystalia thing for example i wish um i wish we could take the subject of that thing like the subject so the subject is Grown men, why do grown men um, try to solicit a, whatever happened, uh, trying to solicit a nude from a 17-year-old girl? I, we, why can't we just talk about that? Like, that's it, he's not the only one doing that, and there's so many people doing that, and it's happening right now. It happened 80 years ago. So I wish that we could 
um, not create an environment where people are afraid to talk because my theory is I'm going to say what I want to say. I give so much of a shit. What other people like about hurting somebody's feelings? I really don't want to do it. And I, and I, and if I do, I apologize. And I know some standups are like, I don't apologize. Cool. Then you don't have to. That is your decision. I will fucking apologize because I don't want to hurt somebody. And that's my, and I think maybe it's oftentimes people will not weaponize that. That's too dramatic of a word, but because I care, they'll just throw more at me than they mm. would Corinne. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's been an interesting lesson. But like, if somebody comes at you like that, we had a listener once, we've had it, it's a bunch where we've had listeners say, hey, they wrote us an email and they're like, you said something last week and it disappointed me. And this is why, and this is my experience. Mm. And this is why I felt that way. And I, we be, we, you know, we would get that type of feedback every so often. And when we did, I'm like, what are we, not that there's any way, right way to say, fuck you. But I was, I was really, um, uh, thankful that that person was like, Hey, you know, because obviously if they listen to the podcast, they kind of have a little bit of an idea of who Corinne and I are. You might not have meant it this way, but it really, um, it just like made my, it made my heart go in my stomach when you said that. And I was like, damn it. I didn't want to be disappointed in you. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you for, thank you. Like, I like that feedback um, with stuff we say on the podcast. I don't, I'm not that edgy with my jokes. I'm honest about stuff and I talk about sex stuff, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, um, push buttons to push them because I don't really enjoy mm. that. That's just not my style. But I think that I wish we would have more conversations about the broader topic instead of just focusing your efforts on um, ending somebody's career. Because first of all, that person is going to be, I, I mean, I don't know. Everybody might react differently to it. But what if that person just goes, fuck the world, fuck everything. I'm going to do it and do it worse or do something else. That's yeah. bad. I, don't, I don't know. I'm making that up as a, as a, hypothetical situation but i just wish like prison system in america the way crime and punishment here blows and i wish when somebody was convicted of doing something a crime they could actually get the adequate prison time that could entail therapy or whatever based off of whatever the crime was something is wrong and that's why when i figured out uh, the childhood trauma stuff I'm like, some of these people, sometimes you're just, I guess, born a serial killer. I don't know. But uh, some people, like, they had a terrible, no one loved them when they were a kid. And no one believed in them. So what do they have to lose? And and if they're growing up in an environment, if you're a person of color and the the police who are, I was raised, I wasn't right. my parents didn't really say shit about the cops, but I knew that the cops would help me and they're friendly or whatever. That's not what other people experience. And the person that's supposed, the law enforcement that's supposed to protect you was actually made to enslave you in modern times and, and stuff like that. So I wish we could just revise the way that we deal with people who do bad things because then maybe people wouldn't be so hesitant to even admit it or I, I don't know. I just, I think there's a better way to through therapy, through jail time. I think that would probably fit in a lot of these crimes, but also to have a more complete solution than that instead of just going, fuck Chris D'Elia, he's canceled. Like, oh, I've been hearing about motherfuckers soliciting nudes from 11 year olds for seven years so because i i feel in the realm of sex and the darker topics around sex i've heard it all and i uh, just from our listeners which is a small 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 percentage of the population so if that if i'm hearing it from them it has to be going on elsewhere and so we can come up with a better solution if we just had empathy more empathy it will never hurt it will only help to have more empathy that doesn't mean not being strict on people when they do when they cross the line 
I think conversation too. Yeah. Um, I think because even in that example that you gave with having, um, you know, the, the person that emailed in, thank you to that person. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. That's, that's the kind, I think that's the way we need to start by doing it. Yes, like, absolutely. Especially if they're if listening. If you want people to listen, you can't be like, Hey, you dumb bitch. Look, if you are probably heated for reasons and your pain is valid, you maybe have dealt with this issue your whole fucking life. And then I'm, I'm, uh, the poster child for in that moment. I get it. The pain is real. Denying people's pain is, is insulting and in, uh, to their humanity, but yeah, there's a way to do it right. And, but it's, you know, you also don't want to say like, can you tell me, can you complain about me um, nicer? Like, I don't ever want to sound like that either. Well, I think also it's just, you know, I mean, even when there was the, I think there was a trending on Twitter at one point during the pandemic, cancel Joe Rogan. It's like, fit, oh, imagine, from, imagine, what it, from what Joey Diaz, I, I think it was some, Joey Diaz said girls used to blow him uh, to get spots. I'm like, Joey, girl. Really? I don't think it was trying to blow you to get a spot, boo-boo. <laughs> There's enough mics in L.A. That just made me kind of laugh. Well, I don't even know if it was that. I think <laughs> I think it was something that they brought up. I don't know when it was. But I think for me, the concept that I thought about is like, he has, what, 1,500 plus episodes that are four hours long. And he's his own he's, boss. You can't he, cancel him. He's his own boss. He sits down high half the time and oh, drunk yeah, half, the other half yeah. with his best friends. Yeah. Like 80% of the time. I'm pretty sure that if you multiply 1,500 by four four hours, three hours, it's a big number. And I'm uh-huh. sure that in 15,000 hours plus of content, you're going to hear some shit. You're going to hear some shit. Make your stomach tickle. And Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan. Yeah. And, we lo- and he has a net positive on this world. So for me, it's yeah, just yeah. like, um, yeah, I, I love the guy. Do I agree is... with everything he says? I'm like, Joe. Just... But no one should assume that you do just because you like Joe Rogan. It's just like you could have a Joe Rogan cardboard cutout in here and I would know you don't agree with every single word he says. And it's like and the other thing, too, is every single human being on this planet has skeletons. Every no matter no matter what they are. Maybe you stole a grape from the salad bar once and that's your fucking skeleton. Great. But it's like that's the other thing with cancel culture that I see that just feels so gross, because even if the person doing something really shitty like Harvey Weinstein Fuck you, dude. Yeah. No redemption. You're done. Like yeah. that, that you're done. There's you're a difference done. between Harvey Cosby, and you're Louis. Done. You know, there's, Absolutely. There's, there's, there's levels to everything. And I feel like at this point it's like canceled is black or white. Yes. And I think that one of the reasons people scream so loudly about it on the internet and other places about cancel the, him or her, or they or them or whatever is because they're excited to look at somebody else's bullshit instead of their own. Yeah. And that's why I think two people are going nuts with the pandemic because you're going to, you have to. You're forced to sit with yourself. Oh, that sucks, doesn't I th- it? I've fucking been there. I've been sitting with my goddamn self for two years. It's not fun, but you come out of it a more whole person, and you can enjoy your life, and your better husband or wife or brother or sister or daughter, whatever. Like, you're a better podcaster. You're a better person all around for it. I think that's also, I mean, even to even to bring it back to, to dwell, really, yeah. is uh, that was one of the main things that I got. And, you know, it's like the some of the cliche that people will say is, you can't focus on yourself before you focus on someone else. That, mm-hmm. But that was really like, that was said in probably, the, or shown in the most perfect way yeah. in, in Dwell was Escapism. really that. Yeah. And I think that even even talking to you today from, from, a year, from a year ago, it really feels that way too yeah. with you. You know, I think yeah. it's uh, just professionally, everything, it just feels like... Um, you know, when you're talking to someone who really feels like they know themselves yeah. and that they're okay with themselves, you feel it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I've heard I've listeners of both my podcasts have said that. I'm like, oh, that's cool that it's actually showing because I, I feel it regardless whether or not people say that. But it's it's nice when people say that because now I understand what that feeling is because yeah. I can now see it in other people. There was another question I had just with going back to, to cancel culture in terms of your writing. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you're compromised uh, or do you now take more into consideration um, what you're going to say, how it's going to come off and, or trying to avoid certain topics because, you know, you're not really sure how they're going to sit with some people? Right. Yeah. Um like I said, my stand-up is mostly narrative about things that happen in my life. I get into enough stupid situations that I don't need to <laughs> push buttons about right. <laughs> other shit. <laughs> but, uh, and that comes with its own baggage uh, of, like, revealing personal things. It's a, but um, I certainly, I certainly, um, topics go through a filter that was not previously there, for sure. Because at every person, especially if you're a white person, you've said racist shit. You've thought racist things. Like, uh, the the whole fight of, like, but I'm not racist. It, it's like, how about just assume you are? I saw a great protest sign mm. um, one of the days where it's like, treat racism like COVID, assume you have it. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I, that's a great mindset right. because then then you can stop being busy being so defensive. And I'm somebody who gets defensive um, because I know my heart, especially because I know myself so well now. I'm like, wait, guys, I know me and I'm totally not like that. Um, But instead of being defensive, just just listen. Do you think that that's had also positive impacts professionally? Mm, No, probably more negative because um, (laughs) I I don't know. Well, I don't know. That's a good question. I won't know until later, but... um, I, I'm still not afraid. If I if I think something, I go, is this wrong to say? I don't think it is. I'll Google it first. Because <laughs> like, some of the shit yeah. I didn't know was insensitive to say right. about race. Uh, I, I didn't know that it was insensitive to say certain things. And, uh, and so, but I can't get mad at myself for not knowing because I really do try to inform myself. So it's not like I'm... I'm willfully ignorant. I don't try to be willfully ignorant to my own knowledge. But... Um, but because of that, if I say something, I'm like, call me out. Right. I'll I'll listen. And you and then you have to decipher. Um, s- like sometimes people tweet at you or message you for things that you're like, huh? Right. You got pissed about that? Yeah. And 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 sometimes it's like you have to. I don't. I'm not like fucking idiot. That's wrong. You're wrong. I don't say that. I just don't respond. But uh, I think on it and I go, is that coming from somewhere else? Because a lot of times people are walking around with wounds they don't know they have um that's not the majority of the cases but i've seen it before where i'm like i don't know that you're actually mad at me for that but okay like i don't have to respond to all of it and i mean i think also just all these different thoughts we kind of see in your newest podcast um Mm -hmm. that is just solo yeah um the voices in our heads yes with christina hutchinson people Mm -hmm. can find it on apple all the, Spotify, all the all platforms. the all the big ones Spotify Apple Luminary Beautiful. app yeah and how's that experience been because you were what 6 years into guys we fucked doing yeah. it uh co-host style and then you go solo yeah. how is that uh I really like it at first i was too like i need to talk about this top like talk to, let's squeeze 80 topics into one episode and then i listen back and i talk really fast the first couple episodes cuz i was nervous but now i love doing it so much it's just stream of conscious but also uh, a comedic approach on self-help and and doing deep dives into books that have really helped me but then the internet's such a fun place and i i want to my rule is if i'm having fun 
it's likely that other people will enjoy listening to it. So uh, my only goal is to do things that interest me and have a good time. So like I'll ask listeners like who's I was watching Unsolved Mysteries and there was an alien abduction episode and I was like crazier things have happened. Is there anybody listening to this podcast who's been abducted by aliens? Like statistically, there's got to be and there fucking was. And boy oh boy. Some people were Some like good stories. I've never people think I'm crazy and then and photo, I mean yeah, so I just, I love that. I love the internet for a lot of reasons, and one of them is you can just ask people like a question and who's been in this really extreme, rare uh, experience, and then you're gonna get people who have. Is it weird also because when you're doing guys who fucked, you're you're with Corinne and or sometimes another person. Yeah, you get you get a reaction, you get an energy. Yeah, Here you're like, you know. Yeah, one of the th- one of the things doing a solo podcast has taught me was I don't have to speak so fast. There's not another person there. Sometimes I would get anxiety with two people because I felt like I would have to talk to get my thoughts in, even though they weren't talking over Mm -hmm. me. I was talking over them. Um, That's why you got to listen back to your episodes and go, oh, that's fucking annoying that I do that. Um, But I've just taken my time with my train of thought. And then I write things down um, that I talk about for each episode throughout the week, the same way I write down notes for to write a stand up joke. So just a funny observation or something, I'll write it down. I'll just kind of riff on it. And then at the end, I usually do like a deep, like this week, I'm doing a deep dive into uh, the six pillars of self-esteem, which is mm. such a great book. And I think self-esteem is a key missing piece of the American sadness right now. Mm. And I think if more people had true, healthy self-esteem, there would not be as much of all of the bad things that there are. Mm. Because why do you have to make somebody else feel so small and belittled if you you wouldn't do that if you felt whole. That's interesting. I haven't heard that. And is that from a book you you read? Or I just my just, theory on self esteem, especially because Corinne Fisher, my comedy partner and host of of Guys We Fucked, uh, is really the only person I know, or one of the few people I know that have a really true sense of self esteem. And situations I, I've witnessed situations happen to her where I would think to myself, "Man, if that happened to me, I would crumble." And she's mm-hmm. like, "Okay." Like she just handles it. I'm like, oh, I I almost needed an example of a person actually can handle things better <laughs> than the way I'm handling them, and it's fine. <laughs> what do you feel like? Do you feel like it's uh, what's the difference for you between self esteem and confidence? Um, well, I think they go they go hand in hand, but I think self esteem allows you to navigate what life throws at you better. Mm. So, um, if yeah. if you don't have a healthy self, sense of self esteem and you're doing all this work on yourself, for example, and you're like, oh, I'm getting I'm I'm getting to know myself and I'm killing it. And then you have a, a if a panic attack was something you were trying to, you know, minimize, you have a panic attack after four months of doing these deep and you and you take that one instance and you go, see, fucking knew it. I'm not gonna change. But no, it's a road bump. So being able to handle um cha- rapid this rapidly changing world and social climate, um, I think takes a lot of self esteem. Because then you can take in, intake information and you don't react to it immediately. You process mm. it. I one of my other favorite books that I did a deep dive of on the podcast was um, "The Four Agreements" by Don Miguel Ruiz. Cannot recommend that book enough. I'm not religious, but this book is like my Bible, um, and it just talks about um, a warrior. It's a lot of Toltec wisdom, and it talks about a warrior. Uh, I forget the exact quote, but like a regular piece of shit person reacts immediately. He says it better. <laughs> But a warrior refrains, and what he means by refrains is, you can you can drop a bomb on me, or like drop, give me bad news or something, tell me something that's shocking or negative towards me, whatever. 
And then I can, refraining is basically like just hearing what you say and going, okay, I'm going to think about it and then I'll, I'll react mm. later once I've had time to process it. You're not going to get my reaction. Now. You know, not formally saying that, but kind of thinking that in your head. That's something that Corinne does a lot. And I'm like, wow, because I, I used to be so reactive to a lot of things and extreme, like hyperbolic in a way. So that's changed a lot since good old self-esteem. <laughs> what do you think it's, um, what's it been like really growing with Corinne? Um, you know, because I, seven years is not just, it's not just friendship. It's, you know, business partner, business yeah. partner, comedy wife, mm -hmm. um, best friend, you know, yeah, I mean, was, yeah. what's, what do you think that, I mean, in terms of maybe your development, her development, just being a part of it, what have you maybe learned or noticed about that, you know, trajectory, I suppose, uh, in terms of Corinne and I's relationship or maybe just, yeah, I mean, I guess in all facets, your relationship yeah. and just, um, how you guys have both maybe changed or not as people over time. Yeah. Um, I guess your observations about the whole you and Corinne story. Oh, yeah. That's a sweet question. Um, I love Corinne so much. And we work on our relationship. She introduced me to the concept that any relationship needs work, no matter what it is. It's not just going to happen and go exactly the way you want. Um, and so creating boundaries that I originally, you know, 10 years ago, somebody created a boundary with me my reaction would be like do you hate me no i actually respect you and love you and that's why i'm creating this boundary fucking idiot um that, i said that not her um but, <laughs> but like i i just it's so funny to think how upset i'm offended i got when someone created a boundary because I, I realized i didn't create any boundaries ever so that's been really um that if i if when i get in myself into a, a another romantic relationship with somebody i kind of want to have that in the in the front of my mind of like oh it's, it takes work and it's okay um all good things take work um it's been great to have somebody alongside you that has experienced the exact same things in terms of career trajectory because mm. it's such a wild weird cool exciting thing that has happened to us with guys we fucked and um we can we can vent to each other about things that we're not i'm not going to talk to anybody else about because nobody else really gets it mm. so that's been wonderful and we also make time we're really good at if we've been hanging out a lot but it's been all work so it's all podcast recording or recording videos or writing scripts we make a point to have fun together mm. that's been really nice and I mean, we've both grown a lot, a lot. If Corinne's in therapy, she talks about it now. I Seven years ago, I would have, if you would have held a gun to my head and said, would Corinne go to therapy? I'd be like, no. Um, so we've both evolved and changed right. for the better. And we've seen all the sides of this industry that we've wanted to be a part of for so long. And it's nice to have somebody who um, can stick up for us in meetings, especially at the beginning where I was like, Corinne, don't don't speak up for don't stick up for us that's rude like that's kind of the attitude i had unconsciously but um so that's been great yeah it's just been great i really i really appreciate her and i i respect her and i'm glad we're such different people in terms of our emotional bodies like our emotional reactions to things we're so different and it's i'm always fascinated by how she reacts to stuff and vice versa like it's it's really interesting cuz i think if we were the same it'd be so boring hmm the thing that connects us is our sense of humor right. and um, wanting people to be good. <laughs> you how know, do you, how do you guys, person. How do you guys continue to, uh, I mean, now it almost feels like you've done everything. You know, in terms from, no. the, from the from the pod, from the Guys We Fuck podcast perspective, yeah. at least, you know, I'm sure you guys would disagree, but 
you guys have it's one of the most popular you know you guys i hope a good luminary deal um yes you know just uh how do you guys continue to push the bar content wise business wise mm -hmm. um and just continue to grow because you know for a lot of people they'd they'd see where you're at and they're like oh wow they they made it they're done you know but oh, for yeah, you I'm never done oh i'm my sure God. i'm sure that's not the way you see it no so, if we were done i'd be dead right but well, i'm done i'm done when i'm dead yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically it um but with, with with sorry about or with guys we fucked um i think that one of the ways we continue to push the bar is we uh, noticing what's happening around us mm -hmm. um i think we were i don't know if we were the first female duo comedy sex podcast but i would venture to say we were one of the first the first big one to go um that specific and then since then there's been a lot of two girls hosting a podcast having honest conversations call, about call sex her daddy was a little bit of a copy in my eh, and mm. people say a lot of people say that but okay they're not I us saw you and corinne's oh yeah we did a parody was so funny it my was... friend sent it to me and she was dying <laughs> she was like this is hilarious i yeah i never listened to the show and then people tweeted like they're trying to rip you off and like girls gotta eat they're trying no. to rip you off I'm like, okay, at, fir at first, when you're a stand-up comedian, uh, your intellectual property is your most important thing, right. so your ideas. But it's like no one idea is truly the most original thing in the world. Um, but when people would tweet at us, like, they're ripping you off, it gave me a little like, eh. but I don't, I'm not mad at all, right. but it's like, oh, it's cool that people go, well, you weren't the first ones. I'm like, oh, thanks. That's my ego, though. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the doing that parody was so fun. And people think we have beef with them. Do not at all. I think, I, like, I honestly love playing them more than me right. sometimes. It's just so enjoyable to be in a different <laughs> set of, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, um, I think just continuing to be honest about our personal stuff, because that was the, that was the thing that struck a chord with people and continuing to share people's stories that have gone through really extreme things because our inbox is a window into the world that right. is very unique and we want to share that with people. Um, so in terms of guys we fucked with that, um, that's how we want to keep going. But then it's like, well, what's our next, ver you know, not our next guys we fucked, but what's our next thing that's in that vein but has nothing to do with sex? Because we have a lot of other interests that have nothing to do with sex. So, um, you know, we don't want to be, we don't want to have the guys we fucked girls on our tombstone, even though, you know, I, I, I love that podcast and so much of what I can do now is because of it. Um, but it's like, well, okay, let's make the next thing for us. What is it? Is it a TV show? Is it a sketch? Is it a, how can we, so we're, our, our reels are always spinning and Corinne and I are always working on like, you know, several different projects uh, at once. And we always have, and that's also just to cre keep those creative muscles going, especially during now. When you Would you guys start a, a second podcast together on something? Totally I don't know. Different? You know what I thought about that today? I'm like, oh, if, guys, we fucked can't go on forever. I don't want it to. I think all good things have to end. I think it's good when they end. Um, but we have no plans on canceling, you know, ending it soon. But, um, you know, I'm not going to be 70 and be like, and welcome, Chad. <laughs> I had sex with him in the closet last night. I don't want to do that. Um... <laughs> But what, yeah, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, is there a different way we can make, can we make a podcast that has nothing to do with sex? But Corinne has her own podcast, Without a Country. It's so good with Joe DeRosa talking about, especially now, uh, this is her pitch. I'm not, I'm stealing her words, but like taking um, news stories from the extreme left and the extreme right and finding sanity in the middle is how she pitched it. Such a good pitch. Um, and it's really good. And I love my solo podcast so much because I'm so fucking weird on it. And I just love being able to be weird. And no, I actually, that's an instance where I don't want immediate feedback mm. in terms of a co-host or somebody else in the room because I just want to be whatever I am and then <laughs> see what happens. Um, so I would say something different. A TV show, I mean, we've been, working on TV shows since Guys We Fucked first came out because the second something is hot, 
everyone wants to make a reality show about it first. Right. And then you go, eh, I don't want to do that. Okay, let's get into the scripting or let's get into the non-scripted, but like a not a reality show. Um, so we've probably written 50 television shows between the two. See, I'm not, I'm not wow. exaggerating. A lot of concepts or at least one pagers for different ideas. But that's been really fun because you're like, how, how can you make TV different? There's a lot of content out there. Um, how can you make it interesting and honest? And because there's content that you don't really have to sense yourself as much with um, networks like uh, HBO and Netflix, it's, you can go as hard as you want. Like we had an idea for one of, one of our many pilots. It's a comedy show, but uh, it's a comedy scripted half hour. But um, the characters got date raped at the end of the first episode, the pilot episode, and no one wanted to touch it. And I'm like, I actually t I took that particular plot line and took it from real life, the thing that happened to two of my girlfriends, almost exactly, except I changed the name of the, the girls were us and the name of the bar. And, it, and people's shock made me want to ask them in the network meeting rooms. I'm like, do you not think this happens all the time? Yeah. Why don't, why does that freak you out? Do you know, do you want to read my inbox? I get emails daily. And now I, I'm volunteering with, um, I, I did a volunteer training at Bellevue Hospital to be a volunteer advocate for people who come into the ER for uh, that have experienced sexual assault or domestic wow. violence because this is fucking, the fact that that's a position and the fact that, multiple people come into the ER at that particular hospital every day with those issues. I mean, this is a problem. So if we can't, taking comedy and putting it towards dark subjects, there's a there's a way to do it that feels good, and sometimes there's a way to do it that you're like, ah, oh, it's cringy, ah, oh, that's weird. Like a stand-up joke that makes fun of a rape victim. You joke about whatever you want. I will never try to cancel you, but if I think your joke's shit, I think it's shit. That's, you know, and and, but, you know, sometimes when comics try to find something edgy to talk about, you got to experiment with different angles, but um, there's a way to do it to make to make fun of not even make fun of, but just it's commentary because the truth is is funny sometimes because it's so uncomfortable. The amount of rape that happens is so uncomfortable. It's it makes me so uncomfortable that what the fuck else am I going to do except not laugh at the at the fact that it happens to people, but just make fun of how society just goes. No, -uh, it doesn't happen. And that's. Um, so it's just about finding those ins. I don't. I forget what the original well, question I think was. Also, we just you know, this is why I'm. I think Dave Chappelle is the best ever. Is just taking real things and talking about them. So we all afterwards, when we laugh, we're thinking, oh yeah, yeah, that's so true. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and yeah. I think that comedians and all their weird ways, um, because you guys are all weird and a little so weird. So, I love it. You guys are a really a strange brand. I know. It's great. And, well, the thing is, I think everyone's weird, but we get to be weird and make money out of it. <laughs> it's awesome. You guys get to be weird and just talk to yourself, but you're talking to a crowd, but you're not, but yeah. you are. And talking to other comedians privately, favorite thing in the world. Really? Yeah. Why? My favorite thing. Because no one holds back in terms of like this, like we just, we can just, I don't know. It's great. It's just, we can have honest conversations about everything, everything. And no one's like, comedians understand that we're all experimenting with how can I take this idea that I want to talk about and how can I transform it into a bit? There's so many, it's a giant lump of clay that you keep sculpting and sculpting and sculpting and you try everything. And with stand-up, it's a weird, it's kind of a different art form in that you can really see if you go to an open mic or if you go to a show, you could see a comic working on that ball of clay to make it a, a vase or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we understand that. And if somebody says something fucked up, we can even say, 
And that's fucked up. Why'd you fucking say that? Like, we can just talk to each other. It doesn't mean we don't get offended by what one another says, but we can just fucking talk about it and not be like, I don't think you should perform here anymore. Like, yo, what you've said was fucked up. That was kind of like racist or sexist. What did I hear that wrong? Like, we we can ha- we can just approach things the way I wish the world could approach them. Last time you were here, we talked about the one person you want on the Guys We Fuck podcast. Let me see if you remember. Beyonce? Was it a guy? It's a guy. Was it Louis? Yeah. Yeah, because I, yeah. Have, have we been working on this? Um, it, will he, will he perhaps make an appearance on? I don't know. I kind of don't have him on anymore. Really? <laughs> no, because I, um. Do you see a special? Yeah. And I, I thought it was really funny. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. Um, just because I think it's funny though, doesn't mean, uh, like the thing that pissed me off about that, the the when that story happened, and comics knew about that for a while before the New York Times uh, published it. But uh, fucking, you're gonna do that. I liked how he handled it in the special. Like now everyone knows my thing. But the thing that made me mad was, and then you're gonna get your fucking manager to try and blacklist those chicks. Fuck you, dude. Oh, yeah, that's no, that's that. fucking bullshit Mm. and that's what a comic would say to another comic like fuck you Mm. come on now i don't know exactly what was said to have that happen doesn't matter i don't need to know your intention with that if you're if if you're getting your manager whether you asked him or not if your manager is trying to say don't don't take these a meeting with these girls fuck you and that that i can say i feel that very strongly but i also feel very strongly that his last special was funny i can hold both of those Just because I th- thought a special is funny doesn't mean all, you, you know, yeah. I, I don't, when I watch comedy and consume comedy and I've been doing it well before I started stand up, I don't go, has this person, what is, what are all the bad things this person has done? Like, I, I'm not interested in that. But obviously extreme examples like Bill Cosby, for example, that's fucked up. We got to get you in jail. Yeah. Like something <laughs> needs to happen. You're out of control. Yeah. You're out of control, motherfucker. You're out of control. Uh, and sometimes that happens. But um, yeah, um, I would want to have on. What would you ask Beyonce? I actually don't know if I'd want to have Beyonce on because she's my favorite human being on the planet. And I don't, that'd be a, I I don't know that, um, I don't want to embarrass myself in front of her. (laughs) I have a Beyonce tattoo. Like I'm very, um, I I really love Beyonce. She to me is the example of human potential. And, uh, and the way she handles, not scandal, but personal, I really, really admire that. One of the most graceful, talented, people i've ever witnessed exist um 100 so i don't know that i want to have her on because if you had to ask her if you could only if you're limited to one question on guys we fucked with beyonce what would you ask her when you're at home alone what do you do that makes you smile mm. that's what i'd ask her what do you think she would answer i don't know i feel like she'd say because she doesn't kids. get that person yeah some, but like i would want to know like a little moment in her yeah. life not a big moment like i want to know when she's like alone when you're at home alone yeah what do yeah you do that makes you smile? yeah like what do you do like what do you, think what do you like? What do you do when you fuck? When Beyonce wakes up, what does she do? Like I, that's what I would want to know because that's and that's one of the reasons why the, the um, dwell the movie. Right. I wanted. I'm interested in the moments like why we put the the rape in that comedy pilot. That was a comedy pilot. Right. Is the moment that to me that had humor, but not like ha ha humor. Just like oh, interesting. What do you do when you leave the hospital? The moment after you got raped and you got an exam, yeah. do you go eat breakfast? Do you go on a bus? Do you call an Uber? Do you walk around? Those what do you moments, do? Yeah. What do you do? Those so are the moments. That that's are. human. That's humanity. That's you living. Those are those moments that are, don't get shown enough. What do you do after that? Are you crying? Are you, do you have, do you try to um, 
take your mind off of it? Do you want to talk about it? Everybody handles things differently. So I would probably ask Beyonce about like, what do you do after maybe even a concert? Like when no one else is around, like, you know what else? Not to bring the atrocious guys, his name into it. But I wonder what, (laughs) I wonder what, um, talking about those little moments that you want, you want to be a fly on the wall and just see, just, Trump when he's alone in a room for oh I'm so curious right? about that that's another I don't know that he's me. ever alone in a room now no, but if if but he he's is, gotta be the, when, when he, he goes to the bathroom he takes a shit you know, for sure what he just sits there and thinks about I wonder yeah well and speaking of childhood trauma the book that his niece wrote oh I just yeah. we are living we he is a living breathing poster child of the most extreme end of the scale of what not the most extreme, but an extreme end of the scale of what happens when you are abused by a parent emotionally. Mm-hmm. I don't know what all what else happened, but um, and it goes unchecked. And not that's not to say people have been abused by parents emotionally and right. grown up to become wonderful people. Everybody handles it differently. But wow, what an example of what unchecked trauma can be. Right. The ego on that man is uh, is yeah. is. Um, yeah, it, it backs up a lot of the things that I've been reading about uh, with childhood drama. But I think you're I think you're so right in terms of um, and I'll be really excited to see kind of the next projects that you put out, because I do think that you're right. I don't think people make enough content about those small moments that we don't really ever think about, but we're all interested in. Yeah. You know, that's Just, why like I actually did ecstasy alone in my apartment after that breakup. And I was like what the fuck? But I'm like, I'm not ashamed. Like, I mean, I I wouldn't brag about it, but I wanted to put that in a movie because what a, like, and and the thought process of how did I get there? How did I go, I should do ecstasy right now. Like, what happened before that? What happened after that? Like, I'm just so interested in those, yeah, those those private moments. I think especially with podcasting, we blurb a lot of things, or I do anyway. Um, But there's still these moments that are very, very intimate that no one gets to see. And I, I like when that gets seen in art. To wrap things up, last time I asked you where you saw yourself in five and ten years down the line. Today, I'm curious, when it's all said and done, what do you hope the Christina Hutchinson legacy is? Oh, man. I want to make people feel better about themselves. Mm. Or uh, encourage people to dig inside themselves and and get to know themselves. Uh, It's such a, such a... As somebody who didn't get to know herself until recently, I can tell you the being on the other side of it, what a, how much more fun you could be having in life and just <laughs> enjoying things and just, uh, just like looking at the breeze through the trees is mm-hmm. something I do when I'm stressed out and I look at up at the trees and they're blowing and I'm like, we are all in this atmosphere, man. We are all <laughs> sound like such a hippie. <laughs> we got a small weed, man. And I do that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I would, that's, that's really what I want to do uh and I've and I've been doing it and I want to do it bigger and better and I want to win an Oscar um I have no doubt you will (laughs) thanks people can follow Christina on Instagram and Twitter at Christina Hutch her website ChristinaHutchinson.com yeah the voice in our head podcast Mm -hmm. is available everywhere as we had talked about dwell as we alluded to is on your website as well yes and guys we fucked can be the Luminary app. Uh, you can download it, get a month free trial, um, and plans are as low as two two dollars and ninety nine cents a month. 
you get guys you fuck, but you also get a ton of exclusive podcasts that I've listened to because I don't, I'm like, I'm not going to promote shit then be like, unless I've actually listened to it. But uh, there's great podcasts on there. Trevor Noah's on there. Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay. Uh, There's this great podcast called The C Word, The C Word Being Crazy uh, that explores uh, famous examples of women being called crazy, but like what was actually behind that, you know, because people want to slap labels on and I understand that, but humanizing crazy. Yeah. Christina. Always a pleasure to see you and, and really... I would love to be a yearly guest. Yeah, I, just for my own like personal record. I think it's doing. great because then we can just compare and go. <laughs> yeah. But you, I, I will happily have you on every year. Hell um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on again. And uh, I'm excited for all this, these new adventures. And to see you where you're at is, uh, is a beautiful thing. Yay, thanks. I appreciate it.